Good morning. Uh, Why don't you grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Well, it's a real privilege and an honor to be here today. Um, I remember the first time I met Paul years ago. Uh, He always would joke with me. He said, hey, if they don't treat you right, come on up to Wisconsin. And I would say, okay, I'm I'm good here, Paul. Thanks. He kept trying to recruit me. So here I am. Uh, We're here today. And uh, it's just a real, uh, it's been a good partnership uh, my lead pastor, Pastor Toledo, has uh, given me uh, the release to come here and be with you today. And they're praying for you, praying for this meeting down in Chicago. And uh, they're actually in their meeting right now. And uh, it's just a real honor and a privilege. And uh, just a little quick story about myself, just to uh, introduce myself a little bit. I uh, grew up in Chicago for 16 years. And um, then my family moved to South Carolina and went to a couple of different schools. Ended up back at Chicago uh, when I was at the Moody Bible Institute. And uh, ended up graduating, meeting my wife. They call it the Moody Bridal Institute. Um, but met my wife, and now we have two wonderful children, and a uh, 17-month-old and a six-week-year-old. So needless to say, uh, they weren't able to make the trip today because <laughs> it was last night was a fun night. So, um, but it was good, and um, it's it's a real privilege and honor to be here. And uh, let's just pray before we start today, Father. We thank you today that your word is alive because you are the living word. And Jesus, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. And God, we thank you that you are so interested in the tiniest details of our lives and the biggest things of our lives. We thank you for the privilege of being able to even meet together in public today when so many of our brothers and sisters around the world are in secret and persecuted, that we can be here with with, with the word of God, hearing the word of God, worshiping you, Lord, and we thank you for that today. We are the most blessed of people today, Jesus. And Father, we ask that all of our hearts would be open in a new and a fresh way. And Lord, that you would speak the word that you have for Harbor Rock on this morning, Lord. And, Father, that not one of our hearts would be left out. And, God, we invite you afresh into this place. We thank you for the sweet time of worship. You said where Jesus is lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. And, God, we come with hearts of expectation that you're going to speak to our hearts today. And we love you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am going to, uh, I know you guys typically uh, go out of the the New American Standard Version, and some of the verses will be in New American Standard, but I'm going to be reading um, out of the NIV. I know in Bible school, the New American Standard was what everyone we stuck to, and I remember having to memorize in the New American Standard, and it was just a fun journey. Um, But all my Bibles are in the NIV, so praise God. But I'm here, and we're going to read the Word. And and, uh, so I want want to start reading in Luke, um, actually Matthew chapter 24. And uh, before I get to that, there is uh, a very challenging uh, season that I believe is going to be coming upon our country. Um, some of it has to do with the financial system. Some of it, I think, has to do with a lot of other things. And there are certain things in the New Testament that God makes very clear is going, are going, is going to take place. Um, it, I don't know if many of you are interested in end-time prophecy and the such, but there are some things that have yet to be fulfilled. And Jesus, all throughout the New Testament, would give us warnings especially warnings to the people of God. He would give specific warnings to the followers of Jesus Christ. And the Bible specifically says that in the last days, certain things are going to happen to the followers of God. And a lot of times we can look at the things that come of God's judgment to the unbelievers and all of that, and that is good. However, there are very explicit warnings that God gives the believers in Jesus Christ. And I want to read now, And the disciples began to ask, they said, Jesus, what will it look like at the end of the age when you come? And he said this in Matthew 24, verse 3. I'm going to read this. This is not our main text today. We're going to skip to another verse, but this is going to kind of preface uh, what we're going to talk about today. Matthew 24 says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. If you look at verse 12, it says this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. And this is a very startling, startling word that God warns us as followers of Jesus Christ. That in the end days, because of the wickedness and because of the incredible evil of the day, the love of the followers of God can grow cold. And to me, that's one of the scariest things because I don't want my heart to grow cold. How many of you don't want your heart to grow cold today? Amen. We don't want that. And so we would say, Lord, why is it that the heart grows cold? Well, the heart grows cold because you drive down the street, you turn on the television set, you turn on the radio, and there's just an onslaught of evil. There's an onslaught of evil. I had a friend of mine who was a paramedic, and he, he had to work and see people die every day. And some of you may have that kind of job. And what you end up having to do because of all of the hardship, you have to close off a part of your heart. Otherwise, you can't survive because you can't be grieving every time somebody dies. And so I've, I've, I've talked with him. He said, it's hard because when I get home and when I get to church, it's, time, it's hard to turn my heart back on because I've had so many defensive mechanisms. He's like, I'm afraid my heart's going to go cold. I'm afraid my heart's going to go cold. It's because of the increase of wickedness. But there is a promise that God gives us that our hearts do not have to grow cold. And today, today, we're going to, I feel that I was praying, as I was praying for this church and praying for you, my brothers and sisters, I believe that the Lord would have to speak to all of us about having burning hearts for Jesus. Having burning hearts for Jesus. You look at some people, and some people seem to be what they call on fire for God. Others may be sort of in the middle, and others may be cold. There's, it's, it's not a coincidence that certain people have burning hearts for God, and others might not. And there's no, you don't get there on accident. And throughout the scriptures, the Lord gives us insights in how to have a burning heart for Jesus. Because that's what we need. If we do not want our hearts to grow cold at the end of the days on this earth, then we need to have hearts that are set ablaze by the Spirit of God. We need to have hearts that are burning for Jesus because we're living in a day that if our hearts are not burning for Jesus, the tide of culture and the tide of the world could very quickly sweep us away to, to just dullness. We're, not, we're living in a day now where we're being, um, being in the middle, mediocre, won't last. And the Bible says this, those whose hearts are not burning they will have troubles lasting till the end. Turn in your Bibles now to Luke chapter 24. This is going to be our main text today. have a lot of scriptures today that we're going to reference, but this is where we're going to camp out. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to camp out on this scripture, and then we're going to uh, reference a couple other scriptures after this. Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 Verse 13, when I was a youth pastor, we used to do the Bible drill, but we won't do that here today, okay? If you turn and stand up and start reading, that would be a little chaotic, and there might be some fights because someone thought they got it first and the other didn't. So I had to outlaw it when I was a youth pastor. I had to say, okay, let's, we had to stop doing it because kids started getting real offended because you didn't see the right person. But if you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 13, uh, 24, verse 13. I'm going to start reading. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, by the way, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, why are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their face downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? 
What things? You know, look up here real quick. Jesus is always playing that kind of game, you know. He knows the answers, but a lot of times, even though he knows the answers, he'll still ask us the question. Um, I, I, call about, I call it a holy setup. How many of you have ever been set up by God? He just kind of cornered you. And you're like, oh, Lord, come on, why did you do that? But he's a genius at it. He would do it all throughout the New Testament. He would corner people. He would ask them questions. There's the woman at the well. He knew everything about her life, but he would ask her all of these questions. And that's what Jesus is doing here because he's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point. Verse 19, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all these things took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body, praise the Lord. They did not find the body of the Lord in the grave. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the woman had said, but they did not see. Verse 25, he said, how foolish are you and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. By the way, once again, look up here. It's an interesting thing that Jesus did here. He, he acted like he was going forward. You know why he did that? It's because he wanted to see how, how much they actually wanted him to stay. And just a little pause here. You may be here today, and you may feel like Jesus is further away than, than you, where you're at today. You may, you, may have, you may have come into the room today, into this, this gathering place, and you, you may in your heart sense that, you know, I feel like God is a thousand miles away. But I'm telling you that he is not a thousand miles away. The Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And sometimes he, he acts as if he's far away. He'll remove the sense of his nearness because he wants us to be more desperate for him, because he wants us to reach out to him. He did it all the time. He acted as if he was going further. The reason he did that is because he wanted them to reach out to him. And we're going to have some opportunities to reach out to God here in a little bit. So it says he acted as if he was going further. Verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus always responds to hunger. He responds to those who seek him and and reach out to him. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning? burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us. Jesus is in the business of burning hearts. Jesus is in the business today. One of his primary acts today is to reach into the followers of Jesus, to reach into his, his followers, to reach into his sons and daughters, and to set their hearts ablaze. Jesus was walking with them on the road to Emmaus. And he began to explain the word of God. He began to talk with him. Oh, you know, if if you have your top five things, of, if you can go back in time, I would have loved to have been there on the road to Emmaus with those disciples. And he began to unfold the Bible to them. And they said, wait a minute. When he was speaking to us, our hearts were set ablaze and were burning within us. And I believe this is the beginning of, This is the beginning of a word that was spoken earlier in the book of Matthew where John the Baptist said this. John the Baptist said, I am not worthy. The one is coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. For I baptize you with water, but he's coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what that meant is that I'm only doing an an external work. One is coming who will do an internal supernatural work. And what took place later on when Jesus resurrected from the dead is that when, is then when, when, when as believers today, as believers as Jesus Christ, when you turn and give your heart to Jesus, one of the greatest privilege happens. 
God himself comes to dwell inside of our hearts. Isn't that an incredible honor? We don't have to any longer go to a temple and and have some sort of sacrificial system. And back in the Old Testament, one man would go once a year before the presence of God. But because of the blood of Jesus, we now have instant access to all of the resources of God for our life. And what's so wonderful is Jesus didn't only save us from an eternity in hell, but he gave us what the Apostle Paul calls a good deposit, which is the Holy Spirit. When you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. Certain faith traditions say that you give your heart to Christ and then, there's a, and then the Holy Spirit doesn't come to dwell. But when you give your heart to Jesus, there's an act that's called regeneration. And what that is is that the Spirit of God begins to dwell within you. I remember one, one time as a kid seeing a Jesus action figure inside of a heart. And uh, I was trying to get the picture. I couldn't find it. Um, but, you know, when you're a little kid, you make up pictures in your mind about what accept Jesus in your heart means, you know, and there's that old joke where the little girl said, mommy, how is Jesus going to fit? You know, I don't know. How's he going to get in there? Well, it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual act. Jesus by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity comes to dwell within our heart. And then here's the key. The key is this. The key is that Jesus did not only just say, if you could put that up there real quick, I want to look at this real quick. Uh, They have it back there. Matthew chapter three, verse 11 uh, go to, uh, yeah, verse 12. Uh, no, that's not the right one. I apologize. Um, Matthew 3, 11, and 12 says this. It's the one I just mentioned to you. It says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here's what that means. That means that in the church age, the Holy Spirit would come to live in you. But he didn't just stop there. The description he made of the Spirit-filled life was that of fire. Okay, and it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of elements in the world. There's water, there's wind. I'm not a good scientist, so there's other, you know, but the big things are water, wind, you know, earth, wind, fire, if you like that band. I'm not, that was before my time. Um, but, you know, there's these different elements. And throughout the scripture, the Lord does show his character through water. He does throw his, show his character through wind. But all throughout the Bible, you will see fire, fire, as a a manifestation of the presence and the power of God. When you look at Moses, if you guys remember in the the book of Genesis, in the book of Exodus, uh, Genesis, Exodus, when when, when, when God was speaking to Moses, he spoke to him out of a what? A burning bush. A bush did not burn, fire. Later on, when he delivered the the, the Israelites out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of a cloud during the day and a pillar of what at night? Fire at night. Later on, Later on, when God began to establish the, the, the ordinances of the tabernacle, he, they began to, he said, you need to build an altar and put a sacrifice. There would be a fire from heaven that would come and, and, devout, and, and, and just take the sacrifice. Also, during their journey, the Israelites' journey, when there was rebellion that took place against Moses with a group of people, fire came out of the presence of God, out of the tent of God, and devoured these people. That's a far better fire. We don't want, we're not... We don't, that kind of fire is not the most exciting part. The wrath of God, you know, it's not the the part we're going to focus on, but God is just, and that was a part of it. And then later on, later on with Elijah, remember Elijah with the showdown at Mount Carmel? Caramel, as one might say, Carmel, I say Carmel, some say Caramel, Carmel, you know. I don't, we're in Wisconsin, so I don't know which one you guys go. It's incredible to me the difference between Chicago and Wisconsin, and don't you know, you know, and all the different, don't you know, sorry, that's Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Sorry, don't know offense. I apologize. Um, Mount Carmel, Elijah, had the showdown with the prophets of Baal, if you remember. Elijah's sacrifice was put up there, and fire came from heaven and devoured the sacrifice and as, a, as a sign of the power and the presence of God. You skip forward into the New Testament. The initial outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the church came came as to new to, to Jewish believers as tongues of fire came to rest upon the people. Why did God use that? He, because the Jewish people in the book of Acts chapter 2, if you read the book of Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God was poured out upon the church the first time that it ever happened in history, the first time that the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside people's hearts. But he did it, and we don't ever see it ever again throughout the Scripture. He initially did it 
with a physical sign. People could see tongues of fire, flames of fire above people's heads. Why is that? It's because those Jewish believers would know, oh, wow, the same fire that brought our ancestors through the desert place, this fire now dwells inside of our hearts. It was, a, it was, it was, a, it was another reflection of who God is. And so today, today I believe that God wants to make our hearts burn for him in such a new way. One of the works of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells inside the hearts of believers. One of the things Jesus said, the main thing that the Holy Spirit would do is to glorify Jesus Christ. Okay, Glorify Jesus Christ. By the way, this is not necessarily a message on the Holy Spirit, though it is a part of that. And one good thing, there's a lot of fanatical, crazy stuff that goes on today in the name of the Holy Spirit. And one of the good things, you can always test a work if you see somebody doing some sort of thing is say, is this glorifying Jesus Christ? If it's glorifying a man or a ministry or a person or some methodology, you could probably say that's not necessarily good at this moment. But if it points and glorifies Jesus Christ, then it could be in line with it because that was one of the main works. Another work of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus said, I will send you the comforter, the comforter. One of the Holy Spirit's main roles is to comfort the believers. If you're here today and maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe there's somebody that maybe you're grieving in this meeting today and your heart is broken. One of the aspects of God is he's given the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's one of the wonderful, wonderful privileges we have as New Testament believers. Another, another aspect of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit to you and he will guide you into all truth. All truth. And it's very important, especially as we looked into that first scripture, that in the end of days there's going to be false prophets and false teachers that arise. How many of you know we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit to say that is false, this is good, this is wrong, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Well, also, one of the things today is that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes to set our hearts ablaze. On the road to Emmaus, they were walking, and Jesus began to speak to their hearts, and their hearts began to burn. Their hearts began to burn. Hebrews chapter 12, 28. One last scripture, and then we're going to get into a couple of the points here. One of my favorite scriptures when it talks about this, it says this. If you could put that up. I don't know if you got it or not, but just listen to this real quickly. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. That's New Testament. That's New Testament. That's in the book of Hebrews that says that our God is a fire that consumes. So, if we're New Testament believers, which we are, and the Spirit of God is dwelling within our hearts, there are three things, there's many things, but there are three things that I want to focus on that takes place when you have a heart that is set ablaze by the Spirit of God. When you have a heart that is burning for Jesus. Three things, three things. One of the first things that takes place with fire, if you think about it. How many of you guys like camping? Any camping fans here? I'm a big camping. We go up to Kettle Moraine all the time, and, uh, except it's really not fun camping with two kids under 17 months old. Uh, not a big fan. I think my wife and I are going to boycott the family camping trip next year. We're just going to drive up and then leave. You know, it, it was crazy because we get up in the morning, and my wife's side of the family, there's a baby boom going on. And uh, there's this, I think there's like nine kids under the age of seven that have come in the last couple of years. And uh, camping used to be cool before we all had kids. Now we have kids, and it's just way too much work. It's like, let's just have a barbecue at the house, you know. Um, But but the thing, and the other thing is they all have campers, and we don't. We just have a tent. And that changes the whole dynamic when you have a camper. Um, But I'm not going to buy one for once a year, so we're not going to do that. But this we woke up uh, Saturday morning after we'd been camping, and, all of a sudden, I hear my wife going, Anna, no. And I'm like, what happened? And my daughter just sees this fire in the middle of the campfire. She just starts doing, you know, hey, glowing lights, you know, and fire. And my wife's like, how can you camp? You can't even have the kids go by the fire because there's this fire pit. And I, and I began to think about that. 
And I said, you know, there's something about fire. There's something about fire. Fire does this. Fire is one of the primary elements that brings life, if you think about it. Think about the sun, right? The sun is a ball of fire. If it wasn't for the sun, this entire planet would look like Antarctica or even worse. Okay, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, a scientist, but, but, you know, it's not very fun living in Antarctica. It's not very fun living with frigid, frigid temperatures all year around. Some of you may like that, but that's good for you, okay? The rest of us, not big fans. And, uh, but here's the challenge. The challenge is sometimes in our Christian journey, we can become comfortable and become used to our hearts being frigid and cold. And we can become used to our hearts being like the polar ice cap. And nothing can give life. And the challenge with that is that when people, can get, people get around us, they do not sense the burning flame of God, even though God himself may be in our hearts. One of the things that the Spirit of God does when he begins to set your heart ablaze for him is he gives you life. He gives you life. The Bible, Jesus promised, I came to give you life and life abundantly, life to the fullest, Life to the fullest. One of the most challenging things for me as a pastor is to, 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 to see people that love God, that have God dwelling inside their hearts, but they're not living life to the fullest. They're not living an abundant life. The old timers used to call it the deeper life, the abundant life, the full life in God, because here's what happens. We can't fix our own hearts. We can't do it. The book of 1 John says this, our hearts sometimes can get all messed up, but praise be to God, God is greater than our hearts, the Bible says. We can't reach in and fix our hearts. That's psycho psychology and psychotherapy. You can't fix your heart. Only God can fix your heart. We can change behavior. We can change behavior, but only God can change the heart. Only God can reach in to a heart that is cold and breathe life into it. And that's what fire does. That's what one of the beautiful aspects of walking with the Spirit. The, the book of Ephesians chapter 5 says, be filled with the Spirit continually. And one of, the, one of the manifestations of having that consuming fire in our hearts, one of the privileges of being a burning one for God is that we experience real life. Real life. Spiritual life. Life that is not contingent upon the stock market, praise the Lord. Light that is not contingent upon external circumstances. The world may perish, but yet he slay me. Still I will praise his name, as Job said. There is an internal reality that we begin to live life from a place in our heart that is set ablaze for God, that no matter what happens in this world, my heart will not grow cold. My heart will not grow cold because the Spirit of God is fanning into flame. I want to be a burning one for Jesus. I want my heart to be burning for the Lord. There's a statistic for ministers that 9 out of 10, 90% of ministers that start in the ministry do not finish by the time they retire. 90%. Why is it that pastors and leaders throughout this country are not finishing the race you know what i think it is it's because the heart is grown cold and it's not been set ablaze by god because when the heart grows cold you don't care anymore okay if you're here today you love god but maybe in your heart when you read the bible it may just be as dead as a phone book you might be feel like you're reading through the yellow pages prayer worship you want to but you find that you're you want to but your heart is so cold and it's incredibly difficult god will god says i will set your heart ablaze afresh and anew and it happens continually it's not one thing that takes place 15 years ago or five years ago or even yesterday i know today we're going to pray here in a minute and i'm going to pray for myself god i want you to set my heart ablaze afresh and anew if the consuming fire lives inside my heart oh may our hearts be set ablaze by god may our hearts be set ablaze by god and back to that statistic, the reason I think that many ministers do not finish is because they have, their hearts have grown cold. And we are, gonna, we are living in a day, as we read earlier in, this, in, the, in the message, 
that if we allow our hearts to go cold, our families, our children, our futures are at major, major risk. Mediocrity, this is an internal thing, by the way, not an external thing. Only Man looks on the external appearance. Only God sees the heart. A heart that is sort of there, and I've been there before. I've been there before in the heart. My heart's not on fire for God, and it's not a fun place to be. It's not a fun place to be. But praise God, one of the big first things that fire does is it brings life. It brings life. And you know what? If today, I believe, if, you're, if you find that your heart is not on fire for the Lord and there's not a, a burning flame from the Lord, God will bring that. And what it'll do, it'll begin to bring life and you will, be, and, and will begin to experience an abundant life in God that you never thought possible. Oh, I read, I want to encourage you to read older books. Older books, okay? Reading newer books, Christian books are great, but some of the, there was something about the older Christians, the Puritans and Andrew Murray and D.L. Moody and, 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 and Charles Spurgeon and, and these great men of God and, and A.W. Tozer, these great, these older saints and, and these older women of God, they had, they captured something. Before media and before the culture of the day today, they had a sense of an abundant burning heart for God. So what do you do if you feel like your heart's? is we're going to get to that in a second. Second thing, second thing, and I'm almost done here. The second thing that takes place when fire hits your heart is it brings a purity and a freedom. A purity and a freedom. You know, like I talked about earlier in the message, God is always commanding things of us that we cannot do. Always. He is always commanding us to do certain things that is impossible. You may say, well, that's not fair. Well, that's kind of the idea, you know, because he wants us to, to be so dependent upon him. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have lived with in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. Well, that is just great. Jesus said to be holy as he is holy. God said, hey, I'm holding you to the same standard that I'm at when it comes to your personal private life. Well, maybe we should all crawl under the chair now and just go home. That's, that's just enough for me. But the, here's the privilege. God says, listen, be holy as I am holy, but I'm the one who's going to make you holy. Okay. Be holy as I am holy, but I will be the one who makes you holy. One of the beautiful things about fire is, is, is what, what, if you take something and you, you use water, you wash it with water, that takes care of the external things. Fire burns the internal things. Fire, get, with the heat, it gets at the inside of the metal. One of the things about gold is, is, is all throughout the scripture, there's different illustrations of what's called the refiner's fire. A refiner's fire. I grew up singing the song, Refiner's Fire, My Heart's Desire. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that song. But I remember first hearing that as a kid. I was like, I don't get that. And one of my youth leaders said, it's like fire. And God wants to take his fire and get deep in your heart. Because only the fire of God can burn away impurity. We can change behavior, but it's only changing behavior. Only the Spirit of God can change a heart. And one of the things of being a burning one for God, being a burning one for Jesus, is on a daily basis, on a daily basis, you're allowing the fire of the Spirit of God to go deep inside your heart and to set you free. There may be chains in your heart. There may be things that you have battled with for years. And you may say, well, there's no use. This is just who I am and what I'm going to be. Well, the Bible says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The Bible also says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of spirit and life has set you free. Set you free. You know how, to, how those chains are broken on the inside? It's the fire of God. It's, the, it's allowing the fire of the spirit to burn into your heart and to burn that away. Because it says be holy as I am holy. And isn't it incredible that he has given us the Holy Spirit 
in our hearts and in our lives. And one of the things is you, you surrender. You say, oh, God, would you burn away these things in my heart? I'm done trying to fix it on myself. Get down deep in my heart and begin to break things, things off. God will do it. Jesus is interested. Jesus wants to see his children walking in great dimensions of personal freedom. When nobody else sees, when nobody else is looking, Jesus is there ready to help. But what fire does is it gets deep into the heart and begins to burn. And what begins to take place is impurities begin to come up and he begins to make things clean and new and fresh. Oh, the refiner's fire. How many want the refiner's fire in your heart of fresh and anew? Come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Fire does three things. First thing, it, it, it brings life. And second thing, it brings great purity and freedom. And the third thing is this. You know what fire does? Fire keeps you on fire. It's not that profound. It's the best I could do. Okay? But fire keeps you on fire. You know, one of the things about these wildfires that take place in the southwest, it's incredibly dry down there. There's not a lot of water. And one of the things you're always reading about in, in, in Texas, Texas and Arizona and California is another wildfire is taking place. Another wildfire and another wildfire. And when they think they've got it done, another fire begins to take place. One of the things that was told me when I was a young man, I was 17 years old, I, I had the privilege of growing up in a, in a Christian home with parents who loved God and and uh, actually went to camp all the time up here in upstate Wisconsin every summer. A place called Silver Birch Ranch was just a wonderful blessing. And uh, I ended up moving to South Carolina, and there was a youth pastor there. He, when, I began, when I left for college, he looked me straight in the face. You ever meet those really intense people? You're like, dude, you're spitting all over me. You, know? you ever meet one of those guys? Okay, that was him. Okay, he got me like this close. He's like, Matt. I was like, yes. <laughs> you know? I was like, am I in trouble? He said, you have a, you're on fire for God. And don't ever listen to anybody who says you can't stay on fire for God. He said, people will say it's just a phase. He's like, I'm telling you right now. He's like, I'm 48 years old, and I'm more on fire for God now than ever before. I was like, I, I can tell. I, can, I feel the heat, you know, mixed with saliva, you know. It's all, it's a hot saliva, you know. So, so, but he told me these three things. He said, he said, Matt, if you take these three things, you will stay on fire for God. You know, I was like, okay, three things. I, could, I guess I can do that. He told me the first thing to stay on fire for God. He said, always have a teachable spirit. He said, you need to be able to learn from anybody. You need to be able to learn from a homeless person. You need to be able to learn from someone who hurts you. You need to be able to learn from your enemy. You need to be able to learn from anybody and anything in the world. If you have a humble, teachable spirit, you will always stay on fire for God, and you will fulfill your destiny in God. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And, and you know, he didn't realize that. When I, I heard that statistic about people in the ministry, and I was called to the ministry about 16 years old, and I remember one night I was on my face in my room, and I said, Jesus, you've got to do whatever it takes in my life for me to finish well. I don't want to be one of these guys that doesn't make it. And I'm telling you, he's put me through some fire. And you, you allow the fire to go through, and God will he'll keep you to the end. But so this is about, about a couple weeks later. He's telling me these three things, and I'm like, man, God is working here. And my heart was so open. He said, one thing, you need to always have a teachable spirit, always. The moment you lose your teachable spirit, you can forfeit your destiny is what he told me. I said, wow, that's deep. Second thing, second thing. He said, always desire to leave a legacy behind. And this is a good leadership point for those of you in leadership, maybe a leadership in the church here, leadership at your job. Uh, the key is, he said, always make sure that no matter what you do, if it's a big responsibility, if it's a small responsibility, if you are removed from the scenario, that thing will continue on. He said, don't ever build anything around yourself. He's like, always have it a part of who you are as a leader to always have a legacy left when you leave. Thirdly, he said, and this is the thing that is just, Naomi, he said, always keep wood on the fire. Always keep wood on the fire. And I began to chew on that over these last couple of years, and, and I'm understanding it now more than ever before. In order to stay on fire for God, in order to persevere, in order to persevere, we have to allow the fire of God to burn afresh in our hearts. 
to burn afresh in our hearts. We're living in a day that a cold heart is a, dan- is, 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 a, is a doorway to a very, very dangerous place. And listen, this is a beautiful church. Even in the, in the time of worship, you know, Randy and, 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 and the team, they just led us in a wonderful way. These people have hearts set on fire for God. I, I saw, you guys have hearts on fire for God. But I know that there are always greater dimensions of fire to burn in our hearts for the Lord. The, my prayer has been, Lord, make me a burning one for you. And as I was leaving the house, my wife gave me another point. I was like, okay, I'll write that down. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> my wife, a lot of wisdom she's always throwing out. She said, you know, another thing, she said, man, another thing about a fire, you know what a fire does? A fire always draws people. You know? I said, are you preaching today? Come on through. You know, I'll stay with the kids. You know? <laughs> you know, she's a great woman of God. But she said, you know what it is? He's like, you know, you know when, there's, when there's a fire, people gather around a fire. People, people are attracted to the heat, especially when it's cold outside. And I said, oh, praise God. I said, in this dark and cold world, we need believers in Jesus Christ that the world, the world says, man, I don't know what the deal is, but there's something different about you. There's a, there's a, fire, there's a heat about your life. Man, there's a warmth. There's, a, there's something different about you. The, book of, the Bible says, listen, let us be cities on a hill that, 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 are, that are lighting up the entire area. A fire draws. And I want to pray here. And Nate, if you can come, we're going to play, play something here, brother. We're going to pray here together. I want to pray that, oh God, would you set our hearts afire for you? Racine, southern Wisconsin, needs followers of Jesus Christ who are burning ones for Jesus. I know in Chicago, we need burning ones for Jesus. But right outside these doors, you know, you, walk, you, you see them every day. And you rub shoulders with them every week. People who are desperate and in need, that need the fire and the heat of the Spirit of God. They need to see that you are a, your heart is burning for the Lord. Your heart is burning for the Lord. So I want us to do this. Let's, let's all stand together. And we're going to sing in a minute. But I want us to do this. We do this in our church. I want every man to find two or three men, and I want every woman to find two or three women, and we're going to break up and pray right now. So let's move away from our seats, okay? And I want every man to find two or three men. We're going to turn this into a little bit of a prayer meeting, and then we're going to worship a little bit more here. But I want every man to find a couple of men and women, and here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, God, make my brother, make my sister a burning one for you. Just begin to, and what you do is you pray it out loud, and as the people around you can hear, if you know each other's name, that's great. And just begin to pray out loud now in, inside that little group. Groups of two or three is typically good because then you can hear each other. But begin to pray, God, make us burning ones for you. Just begin to say, God, make us burning ones for you. That's something that the Spirit of God does in our hearts and in our lives. And, and as the other person's praying out loud, I encourage you to agree with them, to say yes, Lord, to say amen, so that they know that you're participating in that, let's take a little bit of a season now and pray that God would make us burning ones for him. Burning ones for Jesus. Continue to pray together. Deep in the heart, burning ones for Jesus. Pray that if there are any cold hearts, that the Spirit of God would set that heart afresh ablaze with His Spirit afresh and anew. you're praying, continue to pray. Pray that there, that there would be a deep purity from the Holy Spirit. That the fire of God would burn away any impurities, any chains, 
any shackles in the heart. As you're praying, I want you to continue to pray for another thing. And we're going to take a couple more minutes. I want you to begin to be praying that God would do a fresh work in the private place, in the quiet times with him. That God would begin to set hearts ablaze even tomorrow, even this week, as, as in homes and across this city. As people open the Bible and pray individually. I want you to pray that quiet times, that devotional lives would be set ablaze by the Spirit of God. Come on, continue to pray. Men, continue to pray out loud. Women, continue to pray out loud. Because that's where it starts. Begin to say, God, in our devotional lives, in our private lives, oh God, in our homes, may our hearts be set ablaze by you, Lord Jesus. Set ablaze, Father. Set ablaze, oh Lord. for one more thing this might be a little different but I wonder if there's anybody here specifically it might be one it might be none it might be five or ten but just right now with every eye closed just right where you're at nobody moving you would say I walked into this building today and my heart has just grown a little cold towards the Lord and not that it's just grown cold towards the things of God. Not that you love him less, but the heart has grown cold. And you would say today, right now in this moment, I want to be a burning one for Jesus, a fresh and anew. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We're going to pray for you. If that's you, just lift your hand. Okay, there, there are many of you. There are many of you. If that's you, lift your hand nice and high. Okay, I want, I want you now, I want everyone, just lift your hands out to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you for your goodness today, Jesus. God, we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, you said, according to your faith, so shall it be done, Lord. God, we want to be like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Lord, that you spoke, O oh Lord, and their hearts were burning and set ablaze, O oh Lord. And God, we thank you that you've given the Holy Spirit to us. But Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would burn our hearts afresh and anew, Lord. God, you see my brothers and sisters' hearts, O oh Lord. God, we don't want to live in this world with cold hearts, O oh Lord, but we want to live with white, hot, burning hearts for Jesus, O oh Lord. And O oh Spirit of God, we ask the right now that you would breathe by your mighty power on every heart. Lord, we can't control our own hearts, but you are greater than our hearts, and for that we thank you, Lord. And God, we pray that you would pour your spirit out afresh and anew upon our hearts today. God, I need you more. We need you more today, Lord. God, when our co-workers, when our unsafe family members, when they look at our lives, we want them to see Jesus Christ, oh Lord. We want them to see you high and lifted up, oh Lord. You see those who are caught in the darkness, Lord. May our lives be set ablaze by the Spirit of God today. Because our God is a consuming fire. Oh Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for doing that in our hearts, Lord. God, for cold, calloused areas, Lord, would you just sweep it clean today, we pray. We thank you that this is according to your promise, Lord, that you said if we ask anything according to your will, it shall be done. And we know that this is your good 
pleasing and perfect will. God, we don't ask doubting, but we ask knowing that you give good gifts to your children. You give times of refreshing, seasons of renewal, Lord. God, you know the evil days that are coming. We don't want to be those that fall back by the wayside, but we want to be those that stand firm, oh God, and stand strong because our hearts are set ablaze by God. And God, we thank you today. We receive afresh and anew the fire of God upon our hearts, Lord. May we be your burning ones. We want to be burning ones for you, Lord. Burning ones for Jesus. God, in our cars, in our homes, Lord, we want our hearts to be set ablaze for you. Husbands' hearts set ablaze, oh God. Wives' hearts set ablaze, oh God. Teenagers' hearts set ablaze, oh God. Lord, young and old set ablaze by the Spirit of God. So that when people see us, they don't see us, they see God high and lifted up, Lord. And they ask us, who are you? Who is this God that you serve? And they're able to see Jesus Christ. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you today, Lord. We praise you and we bless you, Lord. And God, we thank you that you hear us. And God, we do pray. For such a revival of devotional lives in all of our hearts, Lord. God, this week, when all the Bibles are open, when prayers go up, Lord, may there be an, a, a, a fresh renewing by the Holy Spirit. God, we pray, Lord, that schedules would be rearranged and shifted, that we would have a new sense of urgency to meet with Jesus, to hear the words that set our hearts ablaze, oh God. The word that's like fire to our hearts, oh God, that takes the coldness and breaks it, Lord, that our hearts are sensitive to you afresh and anew. And God, we know this is not by self-effort or strength, or, 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 or clever tactics, but this is not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. Oh, we look to the mountain of unbelief, the mountain of cold unbelief, and maybe areas, Lord, of fear and doubt, and we say, be moved in Jesus' name, that our hearts are as fresh and anew set ablaze by the Spirit of God. And we thank you, Lord. And God, we lift up Pastor Paul and his family to you, even now as they're in a time away. Lord, even when they're in New York, God, would you set their hearts ablaze, afresh and anew, Lord. This time may it be a time of refreshing and renewing. And even for all of the leadership at Harbor Rock, God, may they be leaders set ablaze by the Spirit of God. Not set apart because of gifting or talent, but because they are burning ones for Jesus. Lord, for the children of this church, may they grow up having a heart set on fire by God. The little ones, the teenagers, oh God, hearts that are set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. Oh, glorifying you, Jesus, in every measure. God, we love you. We thank you today. We praise you.